Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary Beth Franklin is kind of like a wonderful encyclopedia. If you're listening, you haven't listened to the Social Security podcast with Mary Beth Franklin. It is not only is it super informative, but it's kind of fun and entertaining. This topic today is also another critical leg to the stool. So we think about re- retirement, we think, okay, income stream, Social Security is a big one of those. We think about savings and investments, another big one of those. And then, of course, healthcare and Medicare, which is so important to hundreds of millions of people in America, is also very ununderstood in America, a lot like Social Security is. If you think that Social Security is complicated, it's a walk in the park compared to Medicare. And Mary Beth Franklin is here to explain all of it in a very easy to understand way today. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Let's start with... When does Medicare kick in and what exactly is Medicare to start out the gate? Think of Medicare as being a really big present for your 65th birthday. That's when the majority of Americans who have been paying payroll taxes all their lives, which funds Social Security, and some of those taxes fund part of Medicare. Once you turn 65, You need to enroll in Medicare. That's going to cover much, but not all, of your health care costs in retirement. And that's the first thing I want to emphasize. It does not pay all your medical bills in retirement. I remember being in a cab because I I based all my um, popular culture references to my conversations with cab drivers. And this particular cab driver said to me, I can't wait till 65 where all my medical coverage is going to be free. Oh, wait well, a minute. You said that to the wrong person or maybe the well, right person, the right person. <laughs> now, certainly for a lot of people who may have been in jobs where they didn't have employer provided health care and patch things together. It, Medicare is an absolute savior when you turn 65. For other people, many of whom may be working with financial advisors and they have relatively high incomes, they can be shocked at how much enrolling in Medicare is going to cost them. Because one of the other little dirty secrets about Medicare is how much you pay depends on your income in retirement. While most retirees are paying about $150 a month for what's called Medicare Part B, and I'll go through the ABCs and Ds in a minute, some people 
may be paying $500 a month for that exact same service. And because that it, because price, that part of it that we'll get to has to do with how much our income is. And it's, it, it's really, me, I, to some extent, I guess it's, it's means tested. So the more, you, the more you have in means, the more you pay for the same right. exact service, correct? Right. Correct. Okay. So let's do this. So let's start with the difference between Medicare, which we're going to really focus on today, and Medicaid. So tell us, what, what is Medicaid? Yeah, there's a lot of confusion. Medicare, Medicaid, it all sounds alike. Medicare is health coverage for Americans 65 and older and also people on Social Security disability. Separately, Medicaid is um, a joint program financed in part by the federal government and in part by the individual states to offer health care to the very poor. Now, when it comes to retirement and health care, you're generally talking about Medicare. But one of the big things that Medicare does not cover is things like nursing homes, assisted living, long-term care. Medicare does not cover that, and it's very expensive. Many of the people in the country who are in nursing homes or getting care at home are actually relying on Medicaid for the poor because it means they've either spent all their money already on that nursing home and are now poor or never had money to start with to pay for that. Like anything else, money gives you choices. And if you are relying on, hey, I've saved money all my life, but I'll be darned if I'm going to spend it in a nursing home, I'm going to rely on Medicaid. Well, you know what? You're going to get what you pay for. Not good. So, and Medicaid, though, in order to meet that, that poverty standard, how, what is that approximate level? And is it different per state or? Uh, the, the general rule is you can't have more than $2,000 in assets, meaning you have spent down everything to your last $2,000 before you qualify. Okay, so Medicaid is that you've totally run out of money and you still need both health care and, and, and perhaps a nursing home and where to live. And Medicaid can do that. You're now, you're not going to have a lot of choices, but there will be something for you for most people. Is that correct? Right. And again, okay. the majority of nursing home patients in the country, uh, the biggest payer is Medicaid. And it's either because people have run through all their money and now have had to rely on it or never had money in the first place. But that's, that's for another discussion. Let's focus on Medicare when you are first eligible in most cases at 65 and what you need to know about signing up on time. Because if you don't, you could be facing lifelong penalties. Well, okay. So let's before we do the ABCs of Medicare, ABCDs part of Medicare. What do you do? You get automatically enrolled at age sixty-five, or do you have to do it on your own? And then if you don't, what happens? Let's cover that. Like so many other things, it depends. If you are collecting Social Security benefits before you turn sixty-five. And then when you reach 65, you will be automatically enrolled in Medicare. 
That's if you, for instance, an example of that would be what? When would you be enrolled pre-65? Well, maybe I collected Social Security at 62. So I'm on the Social Security rolls. My my number is there in the system. Got it. Um, if I am collecting Social Security, then when I turn 65, when I become eligible for Medicare, I will automatically be enrolled in Medicare. Mm, okay, right. But if, if I say, hey, I'm going to wait till I'm 66 or 70 to take social, I'm not in the system. Okay. Right. Then I need to enroll in Medicare mm. in most cases, unless I'm still working and have group health insurance through my current employer, in which case I can delay enrolling in Medicare. Um, and when I retire, I, I can sign up for Medicare then. All right. Now, what is, though, is there an issue if you don't sign up? Let's say you're 60, you're waiting to, to take social later in your 60s. You hit your 65th birthday and you're not working. Is there an issue if you don't sign up right away? Yes, there's a huge issue. If I, the, when you sign up for Medicare, you're eligible at 65 and you have something called an initial enrollment period. That means three months before my 65th birthday, the month I turn 65, and three months afterwards, that is my initial enrollment period. I can enroll in Medicare at any point during that period. Okay. If I miss that initial enrollment period and I don't have health insurance through a current employer, now I've missed the deadline for signing up. And once I do sign up, I may get hit with a delayed enrollment penalty, mm. which is 10% for every year I was eligible to enroll in Medicare and I didn't. So let's say I was eligible at 65 for whatever reason. Maybe I thought, well, I'm going to delay Social Security to 70. I guess I'll just delay Medicare till 70. But I don't have any employer health insurance. When I sign up for Medicare at 70, I'm five years late. I'm going to get hit with an extra 50% penalty, a delayed enrollment penalty, 10% a year for each year I was eligible to enroll that I didn't. And I'm going to pay that extra 50% every month for the rest of my life. Holy cow. Ev forever. Forever. I feel like there's so little education around this. It's... I, I would have to imagine with the millions and millions of people retiring in any given year, there have to be people that end up, they get hit with this penalty. Now, I have not personally heard of anyone getting hit with this, but I would think with just the sheer numbers of people turning 65 and maybe just forgetting, missing, confusing the rules, I would think that this happens to a fair amount of people. It does. I can't give you a number, but it does happen to a lot of people. And it's usually just an honest mistake. When you think yeah. back, we used to define retirement as 65. We were eligible for Medicare at 65. We were eligible for full Social Security benefits yeah. at 65. We often, if we had a pension, would get a full pension benefit at 65. But over the last few decades, those milestones have shifted. And enrollment for Medicare is still 65, but now 
uh, the age for full retirement benefits under Social Security is 66 or higher. So now that those have um, morphed and they're gray, those rule, those deadlines are now gray. Are confused, yeah. and now you have the added confusion of more and more people are planning to work beyond 65. So in many cases, they're safe. By doing nothing, they haven't collected Social Security, they have health insurance at work, they can delay penalty three, free. But um, if people don't know this, it's it's a crazy penalty that they just get socked with. Now, there's been lots of efforts to say, we need to get rid of this delayed enrollment penalty. This is crazy. Legislation has been introduced several times, but at the moment, it's still law. Two questions around that. It, let's say, uh, so first of all, as a quick example, if my Medicare payment was 500 bucks a month, and in your example, I had f- five years of 10% to 50% penalty, then my 500 a month would jump to 750 a month for life. Let me back up. The penalty is applied to the um, base monthly premium. So say the premium is roughly $150 a month. And because I'm high income, I pay this extra high income surcharge, but the penalty is 10% of the monthly base amount, roughly the the 150. Oh, the, the monthly base amount. So it's right. an extra, could be like in your example, it'd be another 75 bucks a month forever. Okay. Right. Got it. Now, and then let's say I'm working and then I, I stop working at 67 and I've had an employer covered plan from 65 to 67. What is my initial, what is my enrollment period then? Is it another, do I get six months or how, how many months do I have? Now you are in what they consider a special enrollment period and you have up to eight months after the time your employer coverage ends to enroll in Medicare penalty free. But frankly, you would probably do it right away because why would you want to go without health insurance? Makes total sense. Makes total sense. Okay. So the that is very clear now to me. But this is something I feel like we've seen a fair amount over time is that let's say you, you have your base plan at work, which okay. covers a big chunk of your, your, your expenses. Can you also enroll in Medicare and that ends up being kind of your secondary insurance? Or do you really have to wait to enroll in Medicare once you're off a company's plan? Well, it's easier for me to answer if we talk about the different parts of Medicare. The okay, a, let's, get, B, let's C, just get there first and I'll recircle to that question. Okay. So the things you need to know about Medicare, I'd like to call the ABCs and Ds of Medicare. Medicare Part A essentially covers hospitalization. And it's, quote, premium free because you have paid FICA taxes throughout your entire career, your Social Security payroll taxes, and that finances part of the Medicare hospitalization fund. So there's no monthly premium. Medicare Part B is what pays for doctor's visits, outpatient services, all those things. That has a monthly premium. And that monthly premium um, this year in 2021 is roughly $150 a month for most Medicare beneficiaries. But if your income exceeds a certain threshold, which would be $88,000 a year if you're single, or $176,000 a year if you're married, filing a joint return, now you're going to pay more. That's called a, an IRMA surcharge. 
income related monthly adjusted amount. Irma, I like to say it's like a hurricane for your health care costs in retirement. Remember yeah. Hurricane, Hurricane Irma? Hurricane Irma. Yeah. Hurricane okay. Irma. So, so if you're making two hundred if your income is two hundred some thousand dollars a year in retirement, you're gonna be paying beyond obviously that one fifty per person. Per month Correct. level. Let's say you're a, a retired couple and you're both over 65 and use your example, uh, $200,000 a year in income. You're going to be in the next bracket. So you're each going to be paying an extra 60 bucks a month. Uh, the two of you together are going to be paying over $400 a month just for Medicare Part B. And remember, Medicare Part B is not going to cover everything. Right. People who are enrolled in what we call original Medicare or traditional Medicare is part A, which is free, and part B, which you pay a monthly premium. But you still have all these deductibles and co-payments. Who covers that? Well, most people buy what they call is a Medigap policy. It fills the gap that original Medicare doesn't cover. So you're paying a monthly premium for that. And what about those prescription drugs? That's the most expensive part for a lot of retirees. Oh, that's a separate part of Medicare. That's called Medicare Part D for prescription drugs. So you're 65, you enroll in original Medicare A, B, you enroll in a Medicare D for your drug to get a Medicap policy to, to fill in the difference, or you probably are, hear a lot of advertisements on TV, particularly in the fall when it's Medicare open enrollment series, about you can get all this stuff. You can get gym memberships. You can get hearing aids. You can get um, eye exams and glasses, which, by the way, original Medicare does not cover. Dental, vision, hearing aids, all that stuff. So more and more people are signing what, up for what they call Medicare Advantage plans, also known as Medicare C. Think of it as an all-inclusive plan. It includes A, hospitalization, B, outpatient and doctors, usually prescription drugs, and a lot of extra stuff, the silver sneaker gym membership, the vision care, the hearing aids, the dental, but there's a catch. Yes, it tends to be cheaper, but you must use the Medicare Advantage network providers. Right. Now, depending where you live in the country, you might have a lot of choices and other places you may not. And they're usually restricted to a geographic area. So if you're a snowbird who, you know, goes from Michigan to Arizona in the winter or, you know, New York to Florida, you probably don't want a Medicare Advantage plan unless it specifically has healthcare providers in the network in both of those places. Okay, let me just make sure I understand this. So Medicare Advantage is also referred to as Part C. Is that right. correct or no? Correct. But most people call it Medicare Advantage. And the difference is it is run by private insurance companies. It is not the government-run Medicare system. Okay, then where, though, and then Part D is the drug plan, which parts the Medicare Advantage can include, correct? May, right. But can then, and this is, I think, of the state of Georgia, where we used to, we have the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, all those different plans. What part is that? If you're on the J plan in Georgia, what what is that considered? 
what you're talking about, those letters, which I think now go through M with a few exceptions, um, those are the Medicare supplemental plans, the Medigap plans that fill in the gaps. Once you've enrolled in Medicare A and B, now we've got to figure out what's the insurance I need to fill the gaps. And those are standardized policy. All A policies cover the same thing. All B, you know, and the further you go through the alphabet, the more the coverage and generally the more expensive it is. That those are Medigap plans. If I am enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan um, with all these extra stuff, I cannot buy a Medigap plan, nor do I need one. This is an either or. I'm either in original Medicare and get a Medigap policy, or I'm in an all-inclusive Medicare Advantage plan, which is probably cheaper. They often say they are um, premium free. You're still going to pay the standard Medicare Part B premium, but you might get all the other stuff for no additional premium as long as you agree to use their network of providers. We see commercials for these Medicare Advantage plans all the time. Who are the really big providers of that, Mary Beth? Uh, United Healthcare, Aetna. It, again, it will depend on what part of the country you're in. And many people are very satisfied with these. Yeah. And um, they they are becoming increasingly popular, uh, mainly because they're more cost effective and they offer all these extra benefits. And maybe more uh, and more doctors over the years, or has it been more difficult to have more providers? Have providers almost left the Medicare Advantage systems, or is it about the same as it's been over the years? Is it getting better or getting worse, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, the providers can change on an annual basis. So one of the things they recommend is if you're going to um, enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan, you want to make sure the doctor you want to see is in it. And just because your doctor's practice was in it last year doesn't mean it will be in it next oh, right. year. Right. Okay. So they can change in any given year. Yeah. Right. So generally, people who are really wedded to their doctors and their specialists and things are probably better off sticking with original Medicare. It's probably going to be a little more expensive, but they're going to retain that choice. Or, if, or do we call that a just getting a supplemental Medigap plan? Well, you'd have to be enrolled in original Medicare A and B, buy the supplemental plan, probably buy the Medicare prescription drug plan, and retain your choice of doctors and facilities. If I'm more concerned about costs and less concerned about which doctor I see, I may want to go for the more cost-effective, um, all-inclusive Medicare Advantage. It's more like an HMO when we yeah. think Yeah, so I think of it this then in two ways, is that, and it's so funny, I mean, I've done so much work on healthcare over the years, but if you're not on top of it, it's one of these things, there's so many moving parts that you can, you can forget so quickly. And I know that if, and I, I'm dealing with this all the time, our listeners certainly are, are really appreciating this explanation. And as I draw this out, as I'm talking with you, I, I do the... You know, if you're on TripAdvisor and you go to a hotel, it's like, this is a $3 sign hotel, and then this one's a $2 sign hotel, and this one is, you know, this one, the $2 is less expensive. 
I, what I just drew out was three dollar signs, and I put down original Medicare and plus a supplemental Medigap plan, if you will. That's three dollar signs, and I just put down as a one dollar sign, maybe one and a half, is just Medicare Advantage, which is kind of like a nice bundle of all of it together with some little perks but maybe not exactly the exact choices you may want. So it's kind of like, it's, it's less expensive and less customized. So if you have all the money in the world, you may want to do the, the $3 sign, original Medicare with your own get Medigap plan, supplemental. If you're trying to decrease your cost, you're going to go with Medicare Advantage. Is that way to sum it up? Generally, that's the way it works. Now, again, a lot of this can be very specific to where you live. Um, there are many states. What, what I often tell people is when you first enroll in Medicare, you may want to give original Medicare the try and get a Medigap policy and, and see how it fits in your budget and your choice of doctors. Um, because... When you are in that initial enrollment period, when you're first 65, you can sign up for parts A and B and sign up for any Medigap policy you want and can afford to pay for it, and they can't turn you down. Once that initial enrollment period has expired, that seven-month period, down the road, you could say, gee, I want to change Medigap providers. Well, mm-hmm. now they don't have to accept you. They can oh. base it on your health care at the moment, or it may be available, but it might cost more than it would have before. So I usually tell people, buy the best Medigap policy you can afford initially, because it's going to be easier to trade down than try to trade up. What good advice. And the supplemental uh, Medigap plans, they are, though, by state. Is that correct? or state. Each state has its own regulations, uh, and we're talking Medigap is if you have original Medicare and then you buy this private insurance to fill the gap, or you go for whatever the Medicare Advantage bundle program is in your state. Now, in some states, you if you sign up for Medicare Advantage first and you change your mind down the road, okay, I want to go back to original Medicare and I want this Medigap policy. Oh, they're not going to sell it to me because I'm in poor health. Gee, what do I do? Other states are much more uh, consumer protective friendly that they're going to make sure you get the plan you want. So I do encourage people to work with uh, Medicare health insurance consultants. They There's no charge to the consumer. They're basically paid by the insurance company. But there are so many moving parts. They can help assess your personal situation, your budget, your healthcare needs, your preferences, and then they can lay out the alternatives that are available to you in your area. You know, and it we, doesn't matter if your cousin three states away has this great plan you want, it may not be available in your state. By state. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I have two different providers that I've leaned on in the last several years. You know, as the number of retirees continues to accelerate just demographically, I've leaned more and more and more on these. I have two actually Medicare consultants that are in Georgia. They're Georgia. And then our, we have some in other states like Colorado and Florida, depending on where we, we serve our families. But I have two in Georgia that we keep very busy because they every single family has a unique situation and every single family has a ton of questions when it comes to, hey, how do I best get health care? Do I do the, to your point, original Medicare and a, med- and a supplemental plan? Do I do Medicare Advantage? What's the best plan for me? A lot of our families, I will say, go with the original Medicare plus a supplemental plan. And that's, I think, where the medical, the Medicare consultants come in. Do the Medicare consultants, two quick questions, do they do the, do the Advantage plans and or does Medicare Advantage, that also, Irma affects that? Your income affects what you pay for Medicare Advantage as well? Correct. Yes, the consultants do everything. Some of them will do exclusively Medicare Advantage plans and say, gee, I don't do original Medicare, I'll send you to somebody else. So keeping in mind that Medicare Advantage plans are run by private insurance companies, they have a lot of consultants out there that will help you make the appropriate decision. The other thing that's very specific is if people have certain um, prescription drug needs in retirement. As people get older, you know, they're, they're often more reliant on prescription drugs, some of which are really expensive. So a consultant can help you look at your specific medication and specific dose and can tell you which Medicare Part D prescription drug plan is going to be better based on which particular drug you're taking. And if you're a husband and wife situation, you might have two separate Medicare D plans depending on your specific needs. All right. So the what's in my mind, what's flashing right now, it's like the outside of a diner, open, open, open in neon lights, except the, the words right now are cost, cost, cost. What does this cost me? What does it cost the families that we that, that are headed into retirement? And I'm going to ask you, uh, we're assuming, let's say they're 65 and they're on, th- they, they, have, they have a fairly high net worth, they have plenty of money. What is a, the original plus a supplemental plan cost on average in general relative to a Medicare Advantage plan? I'm not going to hold you to these numbers, but just a, a, an idea for people as they're planning for the future. Okay, so let's go back to the, the basics that um, if your income is below the threshold, which this year, 2021, and I'm single and my um, income is $88,000 or less, or double that for married couples, $176,000 or less. We're going to pay the standard Medicare Part B premium, which is roughly $150 a month. It's technically $148.50 per person, okay? But these are what we call cliff brackets. If you go over that threshold by $1, yeah. $88,001, <laughs> $176,001, 
okay, now we're paying basically an extra $6 a month. Those brackets keep going up. There's a total of six brackets. If you're very high income, we're talking an individual with income of 500,000 plus or a married couple, $750,000 per year plus, very high income. Those people are paying over $500 a month per person just for Medicare Part B plus or paying for a Medicare prescription drug plan, which is also tied to income. There's IRMA surcharges on prescription drugs. And now they have to buy um, a Medigap policy, which is, you know, these people, a high-end married couple could be paying over $15,000 a year in insurance before they see a doctor or fill a prescription. Right, because you could do 500 each plus the in really high income situations, but the gap plan, the C and the D, that you're saying could be another 500 a month. Well, I, I'd or? have to look at those numbers. And again, they're very state Very specific, specific, yeah. Right. You're probably talking a, a wide range of 50 to, I don't know, 125 a month. Plus right. prescription drugs, which also have the added Irma. Got so it. big, big bucks there. Yeah. Yeah. It could really easily be, it could be easily a thousand to $1,500 a month minimum. Right. The, but that gets me back to, we, we all hear, and I'll say it over and over and over and over again, because to your cab question is that, Hey, I'm going to have everything paid for. We know that Medicare does not pay 100% of any, of, of really anything. Correct. So it is what about 80% for what? And and is that a right way to look at it? Uh, roughly 80%. A and B. A and B plays 80% about. Right. And it's of um, approved charges. So maybe not everything that's actually on your bill. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I want to go back to is the importance of enrolling in time. We just talked about how much it would cost you if you missed that initial enrollment period with these delayed um, enrollment penalties, but we didn't talk about access. If I miss my initial enrollment period and I don't have um, health insurance through an employer, now I not only will pay more once I eventually enroll, but I'm going to have to wait to enroll. I am going to have to wait till the general enrollment period, which is every January through March for coverage beginning the following July. So depending on my birth month and and how much I miss my enrollment period by, I might have to wait more than a year to sign up for Medicare. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty much health insurance naked in between. Well, speaking of that, and again, this is where I, I've actually referred a lot of folks to the Medicare consultants that I know in in my particular state, because a lot of the families that I've had to help plan for, they are they're retiring at fifty five or fifty nine or sixty any any time before sixty five. That's when it gets, I think, really scary to, hey, what do I do? Because we feel, we tend to feel like Medicare covers pretty much everything, plus I get a supplement, I'm pretty pretty covered. But before that, now I've got to rely on my own private insurance. And I'm not, again, asking for 
try to get into too much of the specifics, but can you just give us an idea? If I'm a 60-year-old and I got five years before I can enroll in, in Medicare, what do I typically do in America? Well, uh, this keep, is keep, where- Keeping in mind, and I'm not talking about, keeping in mind people that have, if they're retiring early, they've probably saved a fair amount of money too, Mary Beth. In some cases, you're right. The big problem is um, if I retire before 65, I'm out of a job, I don't have health insurance, what do I do? That was where, and I'm going to use acronyms, ACA, also known as Obamacare, came in. It made access to these people who prior to this found it either impossible to get insurance or unaffordable if they can. It created these marketplaces, usually on a state basis or through the the federal um, healthcare exchanges, that people could actually sign up and get health insurance. Now, they had to pay for it, but at least they had access to it. And then there was also subsidies for those people who couldn't afford it. So that has been a big change over the past decade, that access to health care prior to Medicare age became a little easier to get. Yeah, and I think that this and this is one of the things I wrote about in, in Retire Sooner Than You Think. It was, and I wrote it after Obamacare came out, is that it used to be one of the biggest barriers to a husband and wife retiring. I very often say, your, your, let's say your typical scenario in the middle of the bell curve, the average retiree, the husband's two years older than the wife. He retires, but she maybe had some sort of medical issue. So he's 65, retired has money and a pension maybe, and has healthcare coverage. She is 63. They have enough money to retire as a family. Problem is she had some issue back in the day. Maybe she had breast cancer. Maybe she has a heart, maybe diabetes. And she just could never, she couldn't get coverage, period. So she pretty much had to keep working Mm -hmm. in order to fill that retirement, uh, that big, let's say an open-ended check that could be, hey, what happens if... You have a real real health issue and you don't have coverage, and that could be a million dollars. So I think that that's one. So ACA helped people, particularly wealthier folks that wanted to retire a little early. Interestingly, it actually it, it's looked at as a program that helped people that without a lot of money because there are supplements if your income is really really low. But it also helped people that are on the wealthier side be able to retire early and still get coverage. Now, still not cheap, right. and this is where I see the bills in this pre-65 coverage. So I guess you would, Mary Beth, you would just call this, you would call that just private coverage, right? Right. Private that would be, that can easily be a thousand bucks a month a person. Is that correct? Oh, or more. Absolutely. Yeah. Massive so numbers. Just, you know, depending on what your situation is, um, you know, some people can't wait to get to 65 because they'll qualify for Medicare and in their case, their health insurance bills will go down. Other people um, may find it's actually more expensive in retirement because their income is above a certain threshold that triggers higher monthly premiums. And you know who really gets stuck in situations like this, which are big surprises? We talked about there's one threshold for single, single people and one threshold for married people, fine jointly. And, you know, the married couples is twice as much as a single person. What happens when you're suddenly widowed? Guess what? You now drop down to the single category, but your income was higher and maybe you didn't have to pay a high income surcharge when you were married, 
But now that you're subject to the single threshold, you might have to. And you get That's hit. That's another thing people have to plan for. So many nuances here. And then last piece of this, I don't want to ignore COBRA. Just as a quick, give us a quick overview on COBRA, which is kind of its own, own category. Right. COBRA is um, when you have group health insurance at work and you leave the job, you retire, you um, resign, whatever, you have the right to continue your group health insurance coverage generally for up to 18 months, but you have to pay 100% of the premium. So many workers fail to appreciate the value of their employer-provided health insurance benefits. In most cases, employers are paying about 75% of that monthly cost. You think your monthly health insurance bills are big, but you don't realize you're only paying a quarter of the cost. Now you get access to it through COBRA, but you have to pay 100%. So that case, you you know, the husband's 65, he wants to retire, the wife is 63 with, uh, you know, pre-existing health conditions, they could continue her coverage through COBRA um, for up to 18 months, but it's going to cost them a fortune. Yeah. It could be 500 bucks coming out of the paycheck while you're working. And then all of a sudden COBRA could be 1500 a month. But then, but, but Mary Beth, the other thing too, is that seems to me that COBRA isn't all that different from you going out and getting your own policies. They, they, they both are pretty darn expensive, but they uh, are still separate programs. COBRA is right. continuing to live on. COBRA gives you the, the right to continue to buy group health insurance um, that your former employer had. Doesn't mean it's cheap. In many cases, people going through the healthcare exchanges, whether it's on their individual state, or some states don't have their own, but they have the healthcare.gov federal exchange. Earlier, Mary Beth, you mentioned dental vision hearing. Where do they fall in? And what are they in A, B, C, D? Which one? Where, where does... They you know? are uh, vision, healthcare, uh, dental, podiatry. None of that is covered by original Medicare. Original Medicare is A and B. If you decide to go for one of these bundled Medicare Advantage programs, those things are often included. Again, the exchange is you're using the healthcare network of that Medicare Advantage plan. So it's a big incentive for people to go to these Advantage plans because so much is covered that's not covered under original Medicare. And also, if you're going with uh, original Medicare A and B, if you get a supplemental plan, Part C, that could is that that can cover dental, vision, hearing. No, supplemental plans generally do not mm. cover it. A and B is original Medicare, mm. and D is prescription drug. If you're in original Medicare, you're usually A and B plus prescription drugs and a Medigap policy, a private policy. Generally, that is not going to cover the hearing aids, the dental. Yeah. You're the paying vision. for that I, probably out of pocket then. Unless you have separate vision and dental care like you may have had when you were working. Mm-hmm. The difference is if I go for the all-inclusive Medicare Advantage plan, um, each of those plans might have their own set of benefits, but generally they're offering more benefits, including covering things that original Medicare does not. 
Mary Beth, you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation long-term care insurance. Another huge, scary word and thought for our, our anybody headed into retirement. What if I need to go? What if I have any sort of medical issue? What if it's I'm just I, ha- I can't live alone? What if it is Alzheimer's? What, t- talk to me about long-term care insurance. Do any of these any of these areas pay for long-term care insurance? And I guess earlier you said medic. Medicaid can. You're not going to get the most, the nicest facility, but you said earlier that Medicare just doesn't cover any sort of long-term care. Is that correct? Bottom line, Medicare does not cover long-term care. I'm talking nursing homes, assisted living. You know, there are some rare situations that if you're hospitalized for more than three days under Medicare and you are discharged to a This is a key skilled nursing home facility where you're receiving skilled care. Medicare will pay a a bit of that for a certain period of time. Most people who are going into nursing homes are getting custodial care, Mm -hmm. help with dressing, bathing, eating, medication. That's not skilled care. Medicare doesn't cover it. The only thing that actually covers long-term care is something called long-term care insurance. Now, this has been an issue over the past few decades. Um, Long-term care insurance was really introduced about 30 years ago. It's never had a huge take-up. Maybe 6% of the population might buy long-term care insurance. I'm one of them. I bought it in my 50s because the younger you are when you buy it, the cheaper it is. Hopefully, you never use it. And yeah, you're going to be paying for it for a very long time but you can get access to it, and it was cheaper based on age. The problem is, which has affected insurance companies across the board, is we have been living in a virtually zero interest rate environment for more than a decade. That's how insurance companies make their money. They take these premiums, they invest them with long-term bonds. Bonds, bonds, right. And they're not getting money on that, and they have found that many of these companies that sold private long-term care insurance found that it was a losing proposition for them, that people who bought the insurance um, held on to it. Because when I used to write about this for Kiplinger Magazine back in the early 2000s, I kept saying to people, if you're going to buy it, make sure you're going to keep it the rest of your life. Um, And so they are finding more people that bought long-term care insurance held on to it. They thought more people would give it up and they wouldn't have to pay it out. Bottom line is it's not a good proposition for insurance companies. So they're looking for alternative ways to sell this kind of protection. They might sell you a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider. They might sell you an annuity with a long-term care rider. It's very difficult these days to find just a pure standalone long-term care insurance policy. Other people are saying... Gee, you know, maybe you just need to earmark part of your investment saying that worst case scenario, this is a chunk of money that I might need if I ever need long term care. And if I don't, it'll go to my kids or my favorite charity. You know, the way I look at long term care now, too, and that's a great explanation, Mary Beth, it's, it's, it's been so their actuaries were so wrong, right? They didn't quite figure out that interest rates would get this low and they didn't quite understand how expensive it would get. So they had kind of this double-edged sword and it sunk some real 
ships. I mean, it's it's one of the main reasons GE is out of the Dow, right? Some of these companies that went into this heavy got really hurt by it. But the way I, I kind of look at this, particularly for the retire sooner crowd, is that if you have an asset base and you have multiple streams of income, then you should be planning for enough income from the investments that you have that will pay for a long-term care facility. So it's almost as if, hey, we need to be planning our investments around generating enough income to have long-term care forever so you don't have to buy a policy. So it's it's planning to create your own long-term care policy through the way you do your investments. And and if I can jump in there one second, what you're talking about is is a great overall financial plan that takes into account any of these what-ifs. The problem is so many people don't want to plan. It's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to go to a nursing home. Those are the people, if they get sick, who end up running through all of their money. And yes, then they rely on Medicaid, the last resort, but they only get that coverage after they've spent all of their own money. The and again, the listeners of our podcast, some of them will have will, will say that'll never be me. But then even some of our listeners who are highly aggressive savers and great investors, and they're trying to ag- exit the workforce even early, they may have family members, and they, unless they're paying for everybody, right? They they, we, they may very well have family members that end up on Medicaid. Which those are the folks that really end up, which is a whole other conversation that we may need to do a show on around maybe an elder care attorney because Medicaid is in itself uh, interesting on what counts towards your assets and what doesn't count. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole just yet. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Let me get to a little lighter or more fun topic. <laughs> and this is the proposition or the thought of hey, I've, I'm traveling a bunch and I'm going overseas and I'm going to be in, I don't know, I'm going to live in Europe for a two months or a year. I'm going to live in South America for a year or two or five or Costa Rica on the beach. Again, this is a little more, this is a little lighter. But what do I do about healthcare and what do I do about Medicare and does it count? Tell me for our international adventure types what I need to worry about when it comes to healthcare. Medicare coverage stops at the border. It is not going to help you any place outside the United States. Ouch. If if you're one of those retirees uh, that do a lot of traveling, you want to look into some sort of um, travel insurance that includes health care coverage, you know, a short-term travel policy. Now, depending on the Medigap policy you have... It may include coverage overseas, mm-hmm. but Medicare itself does not. Yeah. So what it would be, who are those providers? Do you, uh, is that a totally separate, is it the same of the, the same of the big guy, some of the same big guys like United and Aetna, do they do a separate policies out of, out of country? Well, um, your Medigap policy, depending on how rich you buy it, may include some overseas coverage. 
Um, say you don't have that, you just go to one of these travel insurance websites that have these international insurers. There, there's all sorts of really good websites that you can say international tra- uh, health insurance and what comes up. Okay, but bottom um, line here is just don't rely on Medicare. I love that. That's a good reminder. Medicare stops at the border. Right. And here, here's a thought. I'm 65. I'm going to retire to Mexico for five years and then I'll see. I know I can't, I can't use Medicare in Mexico. So I guess I'm not going to enroll in, me- in Medicare. And then I come back at 70. There's five years I could have enrolled that I didn't. And now you have a penalty for life. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing I'd like to bring up when we go back to the Medicare A, B, C, and D, we talk about Medicare A, that hospital coverage that's free or technically premium free every month. Now, a lot of people who are still working um, will often choose to go ahead and enroll in just Medicare A. Why not? It's free. And, And generally, that's fine. And your group health insurance will you know, be secondary if you go in the hospital, all that's fine, except one caveat. So many people contribute to health savings accounts at work, right? Right. That's where you put your money in, tax deductible, it grows tax-free, and it comes out tax-free to pay medical like a, expenses Like a later. 401k for health care. Love it. Exactly. Love like a Roth 401k for your yeah. health care. Yeah. But Once you enroll in Medicare, even if it's only free Part A Medicare, you can no longer contribute to a health savings account. That's a good catch. Continue to take money out tax-free for medical expenses, but if you are wedded to your HSA at work, don't enroll in Medicare Part A at 65. Okay, and that's what, that was the question I wanted to circle back to, is that if you're not worried about your HSA, you can be working, you're 66 as an example, you have good coverage through a, at the plan, and you can go ahead and, and enroll in Part A, but you, right. would not do, you would not do B and C, which wouldn't make any sense because then you'd almost have triple coverage. Right, and again, you, you, you wouldn't need to do that. It's, uh, you could enroll in A as long as you're not worried about funding a health savings account. The other little, there's all these little wrinkles, and I talked about as long as you have um, group health insurance through a current employer, that's key, not, um, gee, I'm retired from IBM and I've got uh, retiree health insurance. That doesn't count. That's not a current employer. If you have group health insurance because you're working, you're past age 65, you can delay enrolling in Medicare to a later date, penalty-free, because you have group health insurance at work, if your group insures more than 20 people. If I'm working for a small business that has fewer than 20 employees, even if I'm still working, I have to enroll in Medicare, or I'm going to get hit with one of those delayed enrollment penalties later. Whoa, say that last part again. So if I'm, wow, so many rules here. So if I'm in a smaller company and I'm 65, say that again. If I work for a smaller company with fewer than 20 insured lives, mm-hmm. I don't get to take advantage of that working exception. I must enroll in Medicare during my initial enrollment period, even though I'm still working because I'm working for a small business. Even though I have, they have coverage at the plant, at the company. Right. 
If, no wonder everybody's so damn confused. I mean, right. if you're in a medium company, you don't, you can't give you numbers of the small company. Yeah. <laughs> 20 plus. And again, let's talk to health insurance consultants who specialize in this. Yeah. And, and I would, and you, and you can really tell here that this is one of those, it's almost like an essential. Like if you really, if you're planning for retirement and you have your, if your financial advisor doesn't have somebody you can go talk to, you, you need to find somebody because you need to sit down for an hour or two hours and speak with a Medicare uh, Medicare consultant, whether you want to do a, a supplemental plan, which is the medic, which is the Medigap, or you want to do a Medicare Advantage plan, you got to talk to somebody. I've, so Al Shebel is one of the the folks that I've worked with for over a decade in Atlanta, and Bonnie Dobbs is another person I worked for with many years in Atlanta, and I send lots of people to both of those individuals because they are they they are pros at it. They've done it for fifteen plus years, and. Um, Anyway, it's very, very, it's, it's a really important. So if you, again, for our listeners, if you would like some, some contact information on those folks, obviously you can reach out to us through wesmoss.com and I can certainly uh, point you in the direction of the consultants that I have used for many, many years and, and many families that I've worked with have too. Last thing, uh, Mary Beth Franklin, as we round out here, again, just, I, I don't know, you didn't ever answer, what's, more, what's your favorite topic, Social Security or Medicare? Oh, um, I think Social Security, because I feel like people have been paying into it all their lives and they really should be educated so they can get the most out of the system based on their personal circumstances. I think so much of Medicare, while we're so grateful that it's there, is so driven by your personal health situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not like you can necessarily choose what's best. Your health is pretty much dictating what you need to choose. The uh, it's funny. So she, it, Mary Beth, is like a savant on both. And this, what you just listened to, this isn't even her favorite topic. And this is how good she is. <laughs> All right, last question. Let's go to just in, in general. It's almost like. Uh, you think of the IRS, the IRS never calls you, they always write you. What about Medicare? Do you, and I know there's scams with Medicare, you hear about bad things happening, but is there, a, is there a, something to watch out for when it comes to this? And do they call you or do they only write you? How does, how does it work with Medicare as a Well, uh, the interesting thing about Medicare is that it's when you pay that monthly premium, it is deducted directly from your social security check. So even though they're separate entities, it really, the financial end of it is administered by the social security administration. So I will often get um, questions from people earlier in the year. How come my social security payment went down? Well, your social security payment never goes down. But depending on your financial situation, your Medicare premium may have gone up. Up, And because it's deducted directly from your Social Security benefit, the net result is a smaller monthly check. And let me give you an example. Um, I told you that Medicare premiums are based on your income. Technically, it's your modified adjusted gross income, which is everything on your tax return. That's your AGI plus any 
tax-exempt interest you have if you invest in muni bonds, municipal bonds. You put those together, that's your modified adjusted gross income. And I told you what these um, income triggers were for 2021. It's 88,000 for singles and 176,000 for married couples. But it's based on your last available tax return, which was two years ago. So your 2021 Medicare premiums are based on your 2019 tax return, okay, that you filed in 2020. So this is part of the hard part of planning for Medicare costs is it's always based on your income two years ago. Now, if your income goes over one of these thresholds, you're going to get a letter from the Social Security Administration, usually around Thanksgiving every year, saying, hey, great news, you made too much money, we're going to raise your Medicare premium. Yeah. Right on that letter, it will say, however, if your income has declined since the last available tax information we're using, and it's because of a life-changing event, such as you got married, divorced, widowed, you retired. Um, there's there's seven specific life-changing events. And if you say, wow, yeah, that was my income two years ago, but I've since retired. My income is lower now. You just fill out that IRMA appeal for, say, my income's lower than that. Please reconsider my Medicare surcharge. And it's a pretty automatic thing, but you have to take steps to say, oh, hold on a minute. My income's lower. And they'll ask you for documentation. But that's the thing I tell people that when you get those letters in the mail, read them. And if some, something has changed and your income has declined due to a qualified life-changing event, you contact them immediately. Now, flip side of that is my income went up because I remember I was doing a presentation in Florida and this couple came up to me and said, we are not wealthy people, but we are paying so much for Medicare. And I went through a few scenarios like, you know, did your income change? And no, no, no. All we did was help our daughter buy a house. Oh, how oh. did you do that? They oh, took we took $200,000 out of our IRA yeah. two yeah. years ago, which then boosted their AGI. taxable income, yeah. which in turn boosted their Medicare premium. There's nothing they can do about it. That withdrawal boosted their income. And that means that two years later, yes, they will have to pay that higher Medicare surcharge. But if the income the next year goes down, then their Medicare premiums going to go down too. But could they appeal that in an IRMA? Uh, can they do you an can, IRMA appeal? You can only appeal um, income changes resulting from the specified life changes. Oh, those seven life changes, even right. not, hey, I helped my kids buy a house. Right. Yeah, I took money. Oh, I made a Roth IRA conversion and my income went up. Great yep. choice long term, but you're going to take a temporary hit. So the thing people need to realize as they're planning for retirement and thinking of these consequences, while age 65 is when you enroll in Medicare, it's your age 63 year that might determine your initial Medicare premium two years back. So many, it's a, it's a convoluted web of rules, but I feel much more, I feel clear again. I get some clarity around this, Mary Beth, on, listen, the original Medicare plan is probably more custom if you have a little bit more money and you really want to keep your specific doctors and you're going to get a supplemental plan, part C and part D. If you want to have it be kind of the, the more 
let's say cost efficient version, we're going to look at Medicare Advantage. A little, it's it's a one or two dollar signs as opposed to three and four dollar signs, and then a whole host of other items. In the end, here, healthcare is costly. It's a really costly if you're going to retire before 65. We talked about those pre-65 plans that you have to go out and buy, either that or COBRA. Those are going to be easily $1,000 a month, but they're not going to be a full $1,000 a month once you get to 65, unless you have really, really high income. And even retirees with a couple million dollars typically don't have seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in annual income in retirement unless you're an ultra ultra high net worth individual but and i think the other takeaway that i get from you here is that because it is so complex and so important so it's king kong and godzilla together right they collide in this topic of medicare and you got to get it right and you got to really got to find a medicare consultant so if you're in, in if you're in washington state or colorado wherever you are you need to find somebody we've got people here on my team at the retire sooner team we've got plenty of people in multiple states i don't have somebody in every single state but you can certainly reach out to our team in order to find some of the trusted folks that we have used over many, many years. Uh, Mary Beth Franklin, we're going to leave it at that. I, I just want to add one oh, thing please. about yes. Yes. planning. Yeah. You know, often at the end of the year, we're sort of assessing our finances with an eye towards, well, this is what happens when we're paying our taxes next year. And people tend to get hung up on what tax bracket I'm in. What's the top of the tax bracket? I think your clients, when they're working with their financial advisor or um, tax accountant, should also be mindful of not just what is the dollar amount that puts me in a certain income tax bracket, but what is the dollar amount that's going to trigger a high income surcharge for Medicare? I'll give you an example of a very prominent financial advisor. Um, And when she first enrolled in Medicare, this was all new to her. And it turns out her total income for the year was $5 over into the next surcharge bracket. And that cost her an extra $600 for Medicare premiums that year. For example, if you said $220,000 as an example, you'd be in the the second tier paying an extra 60 bucks a month. But if you had... $222,001, you're going to be paying an extra $150 a month per month per person. Yeah. 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 Per person per month. So you can see it's that becomes the new number that financial professionals need to be aware of. So good. So good. 300, yeah, 300 bucks. Yeah, 3,600 bucks a month. That's real. Now we're talking about real money. So it's uh, 60 bucks times two or, or 150 bucks times two times 12. And and, yeah. and a higher premium for your Medicare Part D prescription drug as well, which is also means tested. Oh, this is real It's not money. as high. It's like an extra 12 bucks a month or something like that through each income tier. Uh, and... Well, good. Well, let me let me just close with where do people find you? What's the easiest place for people to find you besides regular appearances on the Retire Sooner podcast? What's the, what's e- the easy place to find you? The easiest way is just Google my name, Mary Beth Franklin, and most of my recent investment news stories will come up, investmentnews.com, um, which is primarily written for financial advisors, but 
easily accessible for consumers to read. And also I update my ebook every year on social security retirement benefits. And you can get a copy of that, the 2021 edition at maximizingsocialsecuritybenefits.com. I love it. Well, you are an absolute pro, Marybeth Franklin. Thank you so much for all the work you do in the super, just really important insight to one of the most important topics that we could possibly tackle. So God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Wes. I really enjoyed our conversation. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.